is Michael Williams, and I'd like to bring you into Esoteric Lighthouse, episode six, the introduction to the Kapala, part one. And the reason we're doing part one, we're actually going to be doing a multiple series of the Kabbalah. Tonight, we're only touching on a few subjects uh, because the Kabbalah is such an extensive topic, we have to break it down. We literally probably can do a year or more episodes on this topic alone. Um, that being said, uh, welcome to Esoteric Lighthouse again. We are a group of free and accepted Prince Hall affiliated focus on the esoteric, occult, and philosophic lessons found in Freemasonry. This being a public forum, it is not a legal interpretation or statement of any Grand Lodge, district, or local Masonic body. Any views or opinions expressed by the panelists are solely that of the panelists and does not represent any Grand Lodge, district, or local Masonic body views or the views of its officials to which are our panelists hold membership. All right. Welcome and good evening. And on the panel of the Esoteric Lighthouse, we have myself, Akoni Vons, our host and moderator, Michael Williams. Uh, we have Robert House. We have Charles Watson. We have Christopher Leonard and Javon Greenway. All right. Tonight's agenda, we're going to go over the definition of the Kabbalah uh, this typo, three aspects of the Kabbalah, the tree of life, the 10 Sephiroth, three pillars and four worlds. And uh, I'm only gonna touch on these briefly, then we'll have a more in-depth discussion when we go into our panel. Um, the reason I picked these topics is, um, like I said, the Kabbalah is a broad, uh, a broad tool and most people are, asking or want to know what does Kabbalah, what is Kabbalah? What does it have to do with Freemasonry? Um, what does it have to do with anything we're learning and we're studying and we're researching? So um, today we're just gonna go over a, a few quick things and then we'll talk about it. All right, so essentially the Kabbalah, it, it's spelled multiple different ways. You have it spelled with a K a C, a Q, sometimes with a double B and sometimes with a single B. Um, is basically translated as a Jewish mystic mysticism or occult knowledge, uh, which came from the, Jew, uh, the Jewish tradition that deals with the essence of God. Um, now you have other esoteric schools, which some of our panelists are members of that uh, their primary focus is studying the Kabbalah as well. Um, essentially, the Kabbalah, it, it provides a language or a structure, kind of like a map that links all the esoteric philosophies and sciences and arts uh, together. Um, you have, a, you can find astronomy, astrology, uh, the zodiac, you can find different things, uh, even psychological aspects can be found within the Kabbalah. Uh, the Kabbalah is a very very helpful tool. I've been studying the Kabbalah since I was a little tight, um, not supposed to be reading books like this. But um, I can say that the Kabbalah is very extensive and there's a lot of rabbit holes and pitfalls that you can fall in uh, by buying the wrong material. And uh, some people are out there selling books and they have no clue what this subject's about. 
So tonight, um, we're, we're just gonna try to put it out there. I'm gonna try to put it out there the best way I can. Um, I consider myself a baby Kabbalist. Uh, I've been, and the um, reason I say baby, even though I've been doing this for years, I'm still scratching beneath the surface. And um, anybody who says they can master this thing and they are master of it, they're lying. A hundred percent, thousand percent, two thousand percent lying because ain't nobody gonna master this thing. If, unless you have one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the tree of life or the S Chaim, uh, most people they they call it the tree of life, but its real real name is the S Chaim. And uh it really it, it means to come into one of the Jewish life. It's uh, often referred to as the Torah. Uh, the tree of life appears in the Bible in the story of Adam and Eve, uh, when Eve was in the garden of Eden and she had just eaten, eaten from the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, which brought morality or mortality to the world and caused them to become ashamed of their nakedness. Um, and, so the Etchine or the tree of life, uh, like I just said, this is the, the basic fundamentals of the Kabbalah, which everyone knows. Everybody's seen the tree, they've seen the Sephiroth and they've seen the different paths. And just in coincidence, it has uh, with the tree of life, the paths and the Sephiroth, mm -hmm. 32. Um, Interesting, we have 32 degrees in masonry. And also there's a hidden path or a hidden sephiroth in the tree, which is called da'ah. And da'ah equals the 33rd marker or 33rd essence within this tree. And we'll go into more detail later about all those. All right, three aspects of the Kabbalah. Uh, they're basically three dimensions or forms of Jewish mysticism, which likely to be understood in small numbers of people that specialized knowledge and interest in the subject or topic. Uh, it, you have investigative, the person that's an investigative Kabbalist, the experiential Kabbalist and the uh, practical Kabbalist. Somebody, um, who is an investigative Kabbalist will look at the aspects of the Kabbalah, which involves searching hidden reality, the, uh, the secrets of the universe and the organ origins and the organization. Uh, it's more like an esoterical quest. Um, person who's looking for an experiential dimension of the Kabbalah involves actual quest of mystical experience with a direct connection to, uh, to but, to the uh, de deity. So finally, we have the practical one, which uh, dimension of the Kabbalah involves rituals you know, for gaining and exercising power to affect change in the world and celestial worlds beyond ours. So that essentially is somebody who uh, is kind of like magical Kabbalah where you got the people that follow, um, what's her name, Dion, uh, Dion Fortune and uh, Elethius Levi and some of those guys uh, who were into the magical realms of Kabbalah. All right, so the 22 paths, the 22 paths are the actual 22 Hebrew letters 
of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, each path has a number correlation and each path uh, along with its coinciding letter has a coinciding number. Those numbers can be used in uh, another topic called gematria. Uh, you have different forms of gematria, but uh, gematria essentially you can, it's like a letter number combination and you, you pick up certain algorithms and it leaves a certain message. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna pretend to be, but I'm not a, uh, a person who studies gematria. Very extensive. Uh, however, uh, I've taken time to break down each letter. Uh, each letter has a different meaning, and um, with the pictures, uh, a different letter with a different animal or different type of property, uh, like a tent for Beth or Gamel camel. And on the tree of life, when you come across these, on a uh, it, when it, it correlates to a specific message for yourself uh, when you're reading these. All right, then you have the 10 Sephirah. You have Kether, Hakma, Binah, Hesed, Geburah, Tipereth, Netzah, Had, Yesal, Malkil, and the hidden Sephirah, Da, which is depicted on this particular tree. Um, the 10 Sephirah, they have a lot of meaning in each one. And inside of each Sephiroth, there's another tree, uh, which most people don't realize that when you when you start getting deeper into the Kabbalah, you can be in Hod for say, say, for instance, you're thinking you're in Hod, but you're in the lower level of Hod with 32 different paths with inside of that. And then that's just your level of development for that particular time frame. Um, don't want to jump off in the deep end on that, uh, so I'll move on. All right, essentially there are three pillars found within the tree, uh, behind the tree, and two of them are very popular to Masons, that's Boaz and Jaquin. Those two pillars uh, are representing uh, passive and uh, passive features and masculine features or male and female features or positive and negative uh, polarities of energies which are found within inside of us. Then you have that middle pillar. Uh, most people, most people know the middle pillar lecture as the middle pillar being broken. Uh, it's a specific reason for that, and um, I think it's because some people can't find their divinity in themselves. So, uh, hence the broken middle pillar. All right, we have the four worlds. The four worlds of the Kabbalah uh, basically are the world of Azalut, Bria, Yatsira, and Asia. And these are similar to veils. Well, I call them veils because uh, to me, they represent veils of wisdom that you have to pass and understand within yourself and within life to be able to assume higher worlds and higher understanding. Um, in the book of Genesis, uh, is basically written in an alchemical and cryptic manner in order for initiates to understand. And what I mean by initiate uh, doesn't mean like initiated to masonry or anything like that, but initiated into life and initiated into understanding those four worlds. And 
the the it's Chaim or the tree of life with his 32 paths. All right. So uh, another thing we're doing lately is we're going to highlight some of the books that we're reading and where we're getting our information from. Uh, for this month, I'm providing information on the Zohar Pritzker edition, uh, the Sefer Yetzirah, the Bahir, uh, the Kabbalah, the mystical heritage of the children of Abraham, and the 32 keys. Now, these books right here are very, very highly contagious. If you pick them up, you're not going to want to put them down. And I believe if you're an avid reader like I am, you will enjoy these books and it will give you some insight into the Kabbalah. Um, the Zohar essentially is a commentary of the Torah. Um, Am I getting that right, Brother House? Of uh, the Kabbalah, yeah. The Zohar is more of a commentary of the Kabbalah. All right. So I hope I enjoyed the presentation. And now let's turn this over to the forum so we can deliberate. <laughs> we would like to start us off. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and start us off. Well, I will say that that was uh, a very good introduction to a very uh, deep topic. Um, I do know over the past couple of days that what I've ascertained or read is that when you look at the Kabbalah from a very high level perspective, you see that it speaks to the infinite light. It speaks to the, the nothingness. It speaks to the creation of God. A lot of people don't understand that God is a created being. It also speaks to the creation of man. It speaks to the fall of man. Then it speaks to getting back to that place where we are connected back to God. That's very high level. Um, it's just a broad stroke of understanding. You need, as you get into each of the worlds and the archetypes and things like that, then you kind of get into the, now I want to see how do I get back to that place that I can cross the abyss of the eye or that, or that death. How do I come back from death to that journey to get back to God, that consciousness that I once was? Um, also, if you look at Genesis and you look at Eve and Adam, the story in its allegory is not so much that a rib was taken from Eve, but it was that what happened at that time was that man became disconnected. So it was an allegory of him over, and it couldn't give you an actual period of time that this occurred. But the theory and the allegory in the folklore is that man became disconnected from the true essence of what God, his thought process or his rib was taken from him. Because remember, male and female was created in the beginning, so there was no need to create a woman from a man. It was just a representation of his female energy, that energy by which he predominantly thought. So he lost his thought process. So that disconnection is what the fall began, and that's when we get that extra, what we call that 11th Sephiroth, that dot, which is usually not depicted a lot of times, but people say there's arguments to say that it does exist, some people say it does not. So, so that's where you get that from, from that particular allegory. Hey, man, let's close the show out, man. That's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>
he 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 touched on something i know a lot of people going to um i want to say reject but probably disagree with and that is that god is a creative being and what people have to understand is even in the book of genesis it says let us make man in our image that is a plural that is telling you that there's multiple gods um also, when you get into the Kabbalah and you understand the Ain, the Ain Sof, the Ain Sof Or, and then you get to the Keter, and then you come all the way down to Tepereth, then you understand that the, the God that is spoken of in the, the Bible um, or in the Torah, the Tanakh, the, uh, the Yohei is not the supreme being of the Bible itself. That is actual lesser God. Uh, that God actually received the uh, inheritance and Israel was actually a part of its inheritance. It was a part of the lots that was issued out by the Supreme Being that um, yod heh wav and some say Yahweh received from the God Most High. And what people have to understand is for God to say, I'm the most high God, that obviously means that there's lower gods below it. Because what then would it be higher of if there's no other gods? But that's one of the things uh, that a lot of people um, fail to understand, especially in your uh, traditional Christ uh, Christian world and things of that nature. Because uh, they, they think of... Um, the God that they are familiar with as the, the highest God, and that's not the case. Also, um, brothers uh, spoke on the the real allegory, and and, he's, and he spoke very well, because when you get into the Kabbalah, you understand that uh, the process of the quote-unquote fall, or the actual going from the different levels of the Supreme down to what we know of as the physical world or Malkuth or Earth, which is where the Shekinah and the moon really controls how everything really works down here. Um, we understand if we go to the book of um, what's called the Wisdom of Solomon, and that's one of the books that's in the Apocrypha or the Pseudiographa, um, it speaks that every man that was born into this world fell from his mother, fell from that womb. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that, that when male man fell from the womb, he actually fell out of that place, which is called the womb, but it's also the third Sephiroth, which is also identified as the womb. So when we fell from there in the first severed connection from the closest thing that we would ever understand as God, our mothers, because we was formed, created, and carried, and brought forth to life in the womb, we lost a sense of understanding or wisdom. And in in Hebrew, the word chokmah or wisdom is a feminine word, and that refers back to that wisdom, or in, in the Bible, it speaks of wisdom. Uh, and she set her table and everybody came to her and she was there in the beginning. So when we fall or when we fail, that is symbolizing 
or an allegory of man coming into this physical realm. And every man traditionally is always trying to find his way back mm -hmm. to that womb. And mm -hmm. that womb is the darkness where everything came into formation. And that's the darkness that Elohim moved over the face of the earth and it was with form or without form. And that's when light came because when you fell from the womb, the first thing then came forth is light. Straight. 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 <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Another, another good point to piggyback off of what Robert said is <clears throat> we talk about the two trees. So we always hear about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I don't, I don't know if our viewers remember in the last show we spoke of the dichotomy or the dualities of opposites. So that knowledge of good and evil is opposites. So that's why God didn't want them to eat of that tree because once you take yourself down to a lower level, because God is not dealing that opposite, he deals in the third realm, which is the triune or everything. So, and that's where the iron soft is, that iron. That iron is everything, it's the limitless. It doesn't deal in duality. So that knowledge of good and evil, once he began, man began to think like that, he began to think lesser than a God, which is what he was. He was a God on the earth that had God-like principles and God-like abilities. When you take that away from you, you think in a lower level, you think that there's a good and evil, but there is no such thing. There is no good and evil. There's no bad or good, there's no up or down. So that's when that, that decreasing of mindset happened. That's what really the knowledge of good and evil represents. It represents the duality of accepting that there is, but there isn't. So there is. And and that goes back to, like you said as well, when male and female was separated, because in the beginning it says male and female was created together. And that's letting you know that there's just one energy. And on each end of the spectrum is a masculine energy and a feminine energy, but it's just simply energy. But when that energy was separated or divided or the splitting of the atom, mm -hmm. then you came into a dualistic nature. And because of that dualistic nature, which is like Brother AK said, it is an illusion. When you start to think on that level, then you have now fallen down from a level of understanding that there is no day, no light. There is no male, no female. There's no up, no down. It's simply existence. And because we started to separate, we have to now find a way to reunite. Right, right, right. right. That's, a, that's, a, that's a beautiful concept, all, all of this is. It's just beautiful how all these different schools of thought tie back into some of the same fundamental fundamental principles like even in the Kabbalah what we're hearing is we have creation we have a fall and we have a restoration and almost all the mystery schools out there have the same concept at its foundation right. you know what I mean when we look at nature we see the same concept in nature things they're created they rise they get to the highest point then they fall and then they're restored again it just seems like we see the same narrative in all these different mystery schools. It's like, if you don't get it one way, we'll throw it at you another way. We'll throw it at you another way. But it's, it seems like to be, it's a consistent message. Something that Brother Coney said earlier, 
and uh, Brother House chimed in on, it, it probably will rattle some people when they when they realize that God was created. Mm. Even from the, you know, when we, we talked about the, the Ayan Sof, but if we go back to the Ayan itself, which is nothing, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, so this is, um, it's uncreated. It, it just mm -hmm. is. You, you see what I'm saying? And we can't even understand it. So we have to title it as nothing. So it is no thing. So mm -hmm. if we created something that we can touch and we can feel and see, that mm -hmm. in of itself is a creation. Mm -hmm. So the yep. concept that we have today of God, we brought it down to where we could understand it. It is a creation. That is what I think you were really trying to convey to everyone. Um, right. And that's hard for a lot of people to swallow when, when your mindset comes from just certain schools of thought and someone tells you God was created, they go, you're crazy. Instead of just asking, what are you really trying to say? Because yeah. we know that we cannot, we can't understand God. We can't perceive God. So what we did is we, you know, we've said this to some of the other shows, we've created a substitute for mm -hmm. God because the concept and awareness of God is lost to us. Right. And here we are on this journey and Masons kind of understand that, that mm -hmm. concept. We're looking for that, which was lost. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that really jumped out at me with the uh, Kabbalah, once I start seeing it in the concept of conscious awareness and in one of, um, brother uh, Williams's slide he had it was awakened consciousness and then mm -hmm. it, it you know that woke that back up in me when I was studying the Kabbalah I looked at it as degrees of awareness or levels of consciousness and the separation from from what we call God to where we are now it is a disconnect but it's a disconnect in awareness and and I said I gave this example in one of the earlier shows is if I ask each one of you right now, you're, you're smiling and you're happy. And I say, wiggle your right toe for me. And you start to wiggle your right toe. Now, now you are conscious of your right toe. But just a minute ago, before I even told you to wiggle your right toe, <laughs> you were not consciously aware of it. But it was still a part of you. It wasn't it didn't go anywhere. It wasn't lost or off of off of your body. You just were not consciously aware of it. And what what the concept of God did is it separated its awareness from our state of awareness. And our whole journey is to come back to being aware that we are a part of the all. We're part of all. We've lost that concept. Now, it's weird when I say that because it, it almost sounds like I'm crazy. You can't lose anything within all because mm -hmm. all is all there is. There's nowhere mm -hmm. to put I can say I lost my keys, but that's because my keys are not right here with me. The concept of all itself, nothing can be lost in it. But our awareness, just like my toe, is not lost, but I'm not consciously focused on it. I don't, I'm not aware of it right now. In Kabbalah, to me, the whole system, and, and Brother Williams did touch on that there are different, how would I call it, archetypes of this system that is out there are meant to bring us back to a level of awareness, consciousness. Right. So I and would say that I would say to listeners, don't get too lost on the symbols or the um, the tools that are used to bring you back to that level of awareness. Because mm -hmm. the Kabbalah, it really can get you out there. I always make this joke that when I first met Brother Williams, I thought he was crazy. 
literally <laughs> i was like you know he was dropping that you know he was in kabbalah long years and years ago and when i started studying it was like like brother house is like i had learned a new language once i understood mm -hmm. the language i went back and read some of the things that he was saying i went my god this brother's on a whole different level he was speaking a whole different language that unless you are on that level of awareness it would lose you mm -hmm. you'd be lost and you know and like i tell people i'm not even ashamed of it um and what I want to do is make sure people get the right materials, talk to the right people. And you need somebody to guide you through this. Uh, because when I first started out, like I said, I started out when I was a kid, I was 14, 15 years old, picking up books that I shouldn't have been reading and trying to figure this stuff out. And it, it literally takes you down a rabbit hole, of try, a psychological rabbit hole at that, of trying to understand. And um, essentially, it's about your maturity. If you, you know, you don't, the, the according to Jew, Jewish tradition, and Brother House can back me up on this one, is that you generally don't study the Kabbalah until you're 40 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, me, from my studies and my research, is that it's not about the actual physical age 40, but the understanding of the uh, Hebrew letter Mem which has the value of 40 mm -hmm. and it's having something to do with the waters. Mem represents water. And when you're looking at that water, it's controlling that water inside of your body. You have to have full control of that, that maturity to be able to understand the water and the essence which is inside of you. And if you aren't mature enough to understand those principles about yourself, you're not gonna understand the Kabbalah and you're gonna go down the wrong way and you're gonna be, you know, I mean, you're gonna be out there flapping, you're gonna be saying stuff and they nobody, I mean, basically it's like when the story says Solomon, he started believing in other gods and you know, he, he lost his way. And the Kabbalah, if you, you go down the wrong rabbit hole, you will lose your way. And it's not that you're trying to do it on purpose, but it's a point of lack of understanding and having a maturity to go through these things and learn and you have to have a guide to learn you through uh, to get you through if you somebody who's been there because if you if you haven't been there you're going you're going to sit there and be like man what does this mean mm -hmm. well you know and if you're serious about your studies you're not just going to read these books you're going to put them into practice it's a practice and a theory uh, a body of philosophy and meditation and you you absorb these things and you contemplate and you think and it really becomes a psychological warfare between yourself a cat and mouse you cat and the mouse at the same time and you're chasing after yourself mm -hmm. and while you're chasing after yourself you're trying to get to know yourself and there's going to be highs and lows and if you're not ready for the lows you're not ready to look in a mirror you know reflect on who you are you're gonna get lost and you're gonna take yourself even further. And then you're gonna to try to dig yourself out of that hole, but you're gonna have all this extra weight. And what I mean by that is that, like I said, it's a it, the Kabbalah is a tool for reception and receiving, but at the same time, it's receiving and showing you who you are. It's a virtual chamber of reflection. And if you ain't ready for that, uh, I suggest you not pick up these books, but if you're ready to really truly know yourself, 
with get with a uh, somebody who's going to help you through and start studying, so you can really know who you are. Uh, we say we want to know ourselves and show us proof, and you know, uh, everybody say you know uh, I'm I'm woke, but you ain't woke until you know yourself. And <laughs> I don't know myself completely, but I know enough about myself that uh, I'm scared of myself, and that's the only person I can be scared of. You remember when we were coming through the degrees and um, we were given given certain um, what they call secrets, right? Mm. And when we got to the third degree, I found it kind of interesting. You know, we're talking about receiving and reception and so forth. When we got to that third degree and we we're supposed to get that magical mm -hmm. secret, there was something different said to us. And I know you guys will remember, and it says, place yourself in the proper position to receive it. And I, and I will, you know, it, it, it always goes back to that, you know, are you in a conscious state of being where you can receive certain truths, right? Even the 10, what we call the separas, those 10, those are 10, 10 mirrors of the truth. Are you ready to, are you in a position where you can receive those truths and actually grow from them? Um, there's a show out there right now that's really popular and a lot of brothers are, have been watching. It's called the uh, Lovecraft Country. Anybody been watching that? Mm -hmm. Lovecraft. And it, have you have you have you guys been watching? I know Brother Conan said he was watching it. Yeah. But if you it's, I think it was on a, right now. <laughs> oh, it's on right now. OK, it was the second episode, I think. Don't quote me on this. When um, the father in there, they was uh, calling him Father Adam. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Father Adam, and he was trying to raise something up. He was trying to resurrect something. And you saw the brother that's in there. There was like three pillars next to him. He was like the center pillar. And then there were some trees that came up off out of the ground. You guys remember? I don't know if you guys remember that. Go back and if you haven't watched it, go back and watch that. But that show is kind of uh, parading and advertising the what I call the hermetic aspect of Kabbalah because it's it's bringing in the uh, the order of the golden dawn, which the, you know they were kind of some of the early adopters to hermetic uh, Kabbalah, and they also the ma uh, magical aspect of the Kabbalah, and this is what the Kabbalah with the Q. <laughs> with uh, Brother Williams had mentioned the different Kabbalahs with the you have the Hebraic um aspect of of the kabbalah which is with the k and then you have the the kabbalah with the c which um i've i've, I've been taught is more leaning towards the the christian aspect they're them, them trying to take that tradition and, and christianize it then you have the kabbalah with the q and that's the hermetic aspect of it where you see a lot of the magic and the uh golden dawn playing a big role in that and so forth but that show i tell you is it's different parts of it even when they were um when they were dropped down in a vault and all that good stuff and that kind of goes into more of the um the holy royal arc and so forth but when they got to a certain room they found something something was found they couldn't read it and they said because it was in the language of adam mm. um and so they're trying to find someone that can decipher this this language, right? And they're using all this type of magic. But all of this is dealing with that her, her, hermetic Kabbalah. You could see, I think the world is in a position right now where they're ready to receive certain truths. And those truths are coming at you in all aspects, uh, on the internet, in forms like this, on TV shows that are very popular. Like I said, it, the Lovecraft country, I didn't get into it until almost the third or fourth episode. So many brothers were, were hitting me up, even my little brother, who's not even a Mason, 
uh, he hit me up on it. And um, as I started watching, I went, wow, look at all. That. And there's a lot of Masonic overtones in there as well. We, we can see that. But again, I am a member of the Prince Hall Masonic fraternity, and I know things about Constitution and bylaws. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Right here. In hand. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You guys remember that one. I, I think that was that's the same one that they went to. The same episode. Yeah, the same episode. So, yep, yep, yep. And the mention of Hiram is in there also. Oh yes, yes. Several, several instances of of Hiram is in there. And the reason I brought up Adam because I know there's there's certain studies within the Kabbalah when, you know, the depiction that you showed of the of the tree. I don't know if people, some of our viewers would have saw that there was actually a man, back there. Uh, we had two different versions of of Adam. And it was Adam Kadmon, and you guys, you know, correct correct me if I pronounce them the wrong way. And Adam Harashan, I think, is 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 that uh, Adam, and that's more the Adam that we're used to when they talk about in the actual Garden of Eden. Um, and I'll get a little bit more into it a little later. I want to kind of stay on how we're driving this conversation, but I did want us to touch on those two uh, aspects of Adam. Well, before. well, like you. Talking about the uh, atoms, when you look at it, you're going back into the four worlds, and you have an atom in the upper world and an atom in the lower world, and uh, essentially, you know, like like I said, uh, I like to call them veils, because you're passing different veils when you gain that particular understanding. Malkuth is that first veil you got to pass. You got to, and to me, that's almost like subduing your passions. And then you're you're you you wiping away those superfluities and those vices of life, and you're trying to become that perfect Ashler, so you mm -hmm. can move up to the next sphere, which is Yasod. And you can't get to any of the other higher houses or other higher levels in the tree, except by going through Malkuth up to Yasod, and you have to go back from where you fell. And where male, where man fell from the tree, which was the same places where they fell naked in the shame, so they had to be covered. So with that, that's when they realized that they were naked, and so they were covered with fig leaves. Mm -hmm. So you notice one thing about fig leaves. Fig leaves is also uh, interesting because Buddha, uh, Buddha meditated under a bodhi tree and ate figs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, there's a lot of connections with these stories and these uh, ideologies and mysteries. And they're different, although they're different schools of thought, you, when you start looking at the elements that come about, you start seeing these connections. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, but like I was saying, back to uh, Mount Coop and Yesod, so your next ascent is into Yesod, and there you meet a boat captain, Noah. Noah is the only person that know how to travel these waters. So if you don't understand Noah and the archetypes, you can't get back up. So that's, again, you have to learn how to control those waters. That's back to being 40. Mem, you have to be at the maturity level, the mature level to understand the waters of your body. And right. that comes to doing your passions and, you know, getting rid of ego. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know what's, you know what's um, interesting too? One of my favorite houses in masonry, uh, we call it the University of, of Freemasonry. Mm -hmm. One, 
you have to really search for the Kabbalistic overtones that are in the, what we call the Blue House or the Symbolic Lodge. They are there. They are yeah. there. But once you get to the Scottish Rite, they're literally, you go through the different degrees. I wrote some of them down here, the 18th, 16th, 24th, 25th. And one of my favorite is the Night of the Sun. Uh, in my jurisdiction, it's the 28th degree. I think in some other jurisdictions, it might be the 27th degree. But if you look at the 28th degree um, mm -hmm. and you place all the different stations on a, on a piece of paper, mm -hmm. just how they explain where the different stations are, the whole setup of, of that, um, that degree is this Kabbalistic tree of life, literally. Okay. I don't know if you guys have, have, have done that, but just mm -hmm. put them, just draw some circles down with the different stations. And then you talk about, again, Father Adam is talked about in that degree. Um, their overtones, we can go on for days talking about those overtones that exist within the Scottish Rite. But that's one of the beauties of the Scottish Rite. It really got me into what I call uh, comparative religious studies. I guess that would be the best way that I could put it, right? Mm -hmm. it, there are so many different religious schools of thought, philosophical schools of thought um, that exist within the Scottish Rite. And, and it was when I got in the Scottish Rite, that's when I started making my journey into these other different schools of thought. Uh, I'm, I'm not like some of you brothers who have been been at this for decades. <laughs> I was a, I was literally in a box, not really a religious box, but my level of awareness with certain things was really small. I wasn't exposed to the Kabbalah until, until maybe what, four or five years ago mm -hmm. is when I first became a, came aware of that. Okay. And I just went knee deep. Yeah, knee deep. Can y'all hear me okay? Yeah. 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 Gre yeah. Greetings, brothers. Excuse my tardiness. I missed the lecture. I can't wait to watch the replay. I know it was awesome. <laughs> so good. It was awesome. So yeah, good. the same the same with you uh with Kabbalah. Um I didn't start to actually learn about it until recent years, maybe the past 4 years or so, but I've seen the tree of life over and over again, you know. I heard uh like Manly P Hall lectures on YouTube and read a book by him, but just actually reading the literature, like uh, Sefer Yetzer, you know, reading that one, the transla translation by uh, one of the founders of the Golden Dawn, uh, Westcott. That was a good translation. I mean, that it's a very short book, but when you read it, it really starts to, you know, knock it down for you and you start to get a little understanding of it. But I do I do agree with Mike. I heard him say having a guide or a teacher, it really helps. And me and Mike also have a teacher in common, uh, coincidentally. So having a teacher really helps. Yeah. Yeah. Masonry yeah. teaches that as well. I know you guys remember that uh, rise, follow your conductor and, and fear no danger. At the end of the day, um, a lot of these schools of thought, Re require some some form of a guide to to, to lead you through it. Mm -hmm. yeah, but get back to that Scottish right. When you know, you know, you touched on the twenty eight degree. By the way, that's my favorite degree. Oh, mine too. Light of the sun. Out of every degree <laughs> I've had, that's one of my most favorite degrees. But uh, looking at it, when when I first got in the Scottish right. The first thing that stuck out to me, it was I'm reading a book and it says the right is the Kabbalah of freedom. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when I read that, I was like, 
okay, I've been studying the Kabbalah. So the Scottish Rite, then I was like, uh-huh, 32. <laughs> and, you know, so I started trying to research both of them together. And then um, I was always going, I'd be in a larger perfection and I'd always, always drop right back down to the blue house. So I kept getting caught up. And each degree I go in, I go right back down to the first three degrees. Why? Because the first three degrees, they're the foundation. And there's so much information in there that, you know, if you blink, you'll miss it. If you don't listen to the words, you'll miss it. And you can learn so much about the Kabbalah just in those first three degrees. Mm -hmm. Like I said, there's three pillars and just coincidental, Though two of those three pillars of Boaz and Jaquin. Right. And yeah. right. It's a reason behind it. When you look at the tarot, the mm -hmm. second, second card, what's on there? It's the priestess sitting between Boaz and Jaquin. Every tarot deck is the exact same thing. That's right. And, and when you start looking at it, you, you, you have that person in the center. That person in the center, that's you. You standing in the center and you're trying to balance yourself between positive and negative energies. What people don't realize is that those two cherubs that people grew up looking at kids, one on the left and one on the right, being an angel and a demon talking to you, that's actually mm. the pillars talking to you. Yeah, mm. yeah that's severity and mercy. For sure. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to go back to your Tom and Jerry age and think about this. I mean, <laughs> You know, I don't mean no disrespect to anybody, but you have to, you know, look at this with reason and understanding. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have reason and understanding, why are you doing it? You're just picking up books, mumbling words and saying this, that, and other, but you're not absorbing what you're being taught. Right, right. When right. you go to Lodge, you need to go to Lodge and sit there and focus on what's being taught, the words coming out the mouths. And yeah. then research those words and then after you research those words just look at the stations that's around the lodge you're literally you have three the you have three of the four worlds actually you got the four worlds right there in the lodge yeah 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 you got the four worlds right there but you don't see it you got the four worlds in your apron you're walking around you're literally walking around as the tree of life or as I like to call it, the tree of living, because we are all living trees and we're walking around on this earth. That's right. That's right. How many folks on here are uh, members of the uh, Order of the Eastern Star? Uh, inside of the Order of the Eastern Star, the ladies are giving uh, what they call a Kabbalistic word. No way, for real. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I don't know, Brother Wins. Are you a member of the Order? I didn't know if you were a member or not. No, I'm not. Okay. Yeah, that's just, I got, you know. I got my application. Oh, you got your application in? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> thought I'd just throw the sisters a shout out too. You know, like it, you know, you brothers, if y'all not a member, yeah, join. I've, I've learned a lot. Oh, um, yeah. Studying their shout information. It, it's, 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 it really took me to a whole different level. And believe it or not, it wasn't men who helped me understand it. It was women. It was a few, a few group of women. I won't mention their name. They like to be undercover, but uh, they know who they are. And mm -hmm. they, they are the ones that walk me through that school of thought. But I just thought I'd throw that out there. They actually are giving a Kabbalistic word. And it's the Kabbalah with a C, just so you know. 
Yeah. But just to, just to be fair, um, look at the female energy. That's mostly what your spirituality. As you see yeah. through society, they are the ones that go to the churches and the synagogues a lot. Those are the ones that yeah. do a lot of the work. Me growing up, that's all I saw. So you, see, so you see very masculine energy in the church sometimes because we don't gravitate towards spirituality as fast as a, as a female. Right. So you're going to notice that a lot of times. That's why the serpent went to Eve. Okay, again, we get back to that allegory again, because that's the that lower part. The serpent represents that lower part of the nature. That lower part of your nature is going to attack that side, that spiritual side of you to say, hey, why don't you stop thinking like that? How about you start thinking down here? And then that's when you yeah. give into that. You give into that lower nature. So you step down. So that's what that's right. that's what that's about. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. You just hit on two things at the same time. And um one of them, you know, you're talking about the uh, the lower nature of yourself with the serpent. Well, if you look at it uh in some Kabbalistic school of thoughts, when you look at Adam, Adam is the mind and Eve is the flesh. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, when you talk about the serpent going after that spirituality, well, women are naturally closer to God because they're, it's just their makeup. Men, uh, we're, we, we, we still have animalistic tendencies. Hence, you know, when we hit a certain age in puberty, certain things happen. Women, they can control theirs better than us. Men, uh, we tend to be savage because we're hunters. And that's what is in our nature. And what we're trying to do is control that nature. Right. Because it's like we fell and then we continue to fall. And then you fall into these traps and do things that you shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. because you're trying to make your way back. Just like Brother House said, you spent nine years in the womb and you're trying to return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what Kabbalah does it is trying to help you control those waters. Those are those waters I'm talking about, the waters of sexuality. Mm. And you have to be mature enough to control those waters of sexuality to improve yourself because the waters of your sexuality is controlled by itself and it's separate from the cerebral spinal fluid. And when you start talking about making chrism or ascending or uh, that chrism becoming Christ-like, you have to take those two waters and combine them and bring them up mm-hmm. through the nodics and through your channels. And you bring that up, you're making chrism and you're bringing it up to your mind. You're purifying your mind with both. And when you look at the tarot and some, uh, I think it was the, I think it was the 14th degree last time Chris said, you got two cups. Oh, you got one cup and they're mixing the red and the white. And the red and white is similar to the blood and the bread. And then, you know, sometimes when you're on a rough and rugged road, all you got is bread and wine. And when you got bread and wine, you are trying to make that journey. And that is symbolic of you controlling those waters with inside. And I'm trying not to jump off too far in the deep end, but give you enough to uh, get an understanding of where I'm going with this. But um, essentially, like I said, it's about controlling those waters if you can control your cerebral spinal fluid and mm-hmm. your water sexuality, you create yourself as a illuminated being. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, you start becoming illuminated. That's the real woke. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just you mentioned Scottish, right? And um, I taught the fourth degree to me is just like the gate, yeah. the kind of the beginning of it all. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to silence. And silence, if you look at the eye, is in the throat chakra. And in silence, a lot of philosophers speak that you get a lot of uh, uh, insight. You hear from the all-knowing when you close your mouth to stop talking. So that throat chakra speaks until you start giving energy and, and start receiving energy. Um, also, that's where Saturn is placed. Um, then you go to the sun in the Tiferoth. The moon is in your side. The earth is in Malkoth. So those are the four stages we actually talk to metamorphosis. If you talk about alchemy, you get to that fire, fire burning the water, water giving off or air, air turning into. So all that alchemic process is to that passion, that fire within, that fire that's underneath your feet to cause you to do what action in that fourth world, to cause you to do things, to speak less and do more, okay? And to hear that, that, that limitless light that is around you and stop speaking but receiving a different energy. So that changes your mindset. So yeah, so that's that's good. That's good. Beautiful, beautiful. And what? you know, Brother House leaning. Go ahead, Brother House. <laughs> Go ahead, Brother House. Go ahead, man. I yield. <laughs> I just I just wanted to touch on um one of the things that Mike mentioned about the uh fig leaves. And you know, uh science has said or proven or shown that the oldest uh, recovered skeletal system was found in in Kenya. Mm -hmm. And they gave the name to that skeleton or thing Lucy. Now we know Lucy is also a word that derived from the word lux or light, or also light bearer or bringer, which is also referred to as Lucifer, um, which beyond spookism, Lucifer is just a Latin word that means bringer of light or bringer of light. And we know that in Freemasonry and other uh, systems of, say, higher learning, uh, philosophical learning, light is synonymous with knowledge. Mm-hmm. So we can understand and see that that the knowledge and understanding came forth from a being that we have now called Lucy or the skeletal system of a woman out of the area of Kenya. Um, It tells you in the book of Genesis that the man and ultimately the woman as well, because the woman is allegorically comes from the man that means they both came from the same soil and that soil was called adama or red red soil if you look at the soil in kenya it is red it is red clay and the oldest ethnic group in kenya is the akukuyu tribe of people and they just so happen to be called akuyu which means fig tree people Mm. so it it all comes back around and if people take time out to actually understand the allegories and then do a little bit of research in certain languages and words because the truth is in the language and and that's what people fail to understand when we think of translations translations are substitutes 
for what is really there. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole thing where people are lost in translation. So if you're lost in translation, then you're ultimately walking in ignorance because you have substitutions that are keeping you lost. But when you when you look at something as simple as we we talked about the fig trees, we talk about the oldest skeletal remains coming from this particular place. We talk about uh, the oldest ethnic group in this particular area being called the literal fig tree people. And they pray to a particular mountain that originally was called Mount Zion. And now it's called Mount Kenya, but it was originally Mount Zion. When, when, you, when you put these things together, and you understand that the word El Shaddai, and Shaddai actually means mountain, and you understand that these people have been praying to a mountain or to, toward the direction of a mountain since the beginning of time, you know, sometimes their arithmetic in those seven liberal arts and sciences have to start putting two, two together and understand what's been taking place, you know. Um, but I, I digress from there, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something for an individual to do research. Find something that sparks a question. Take that question and start to work on that, that answer because the answer that you end up finding might end up putting you on another path to even more knowledge. And that knowledge is ultimately going to take you up that ladder that Jacob saw within himself and mm -hmm. when he saw God face to face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Brother House just told y'all, he just gave you the definition of Kabbalah. Mm. That right there is Kabbalah. You're taking stuff, you're breaking it down and you're taking those elements and you're receiving that information from that and you're receiving that in and you're building yourself based on that research. That's what the essentially the basic essence of Kabbalah is. Uh, mm -hmm. To be able to receive and extract. And what does the alchemist do? They extract. That's right. So... Those the now you guys are starting to see why we did those other shows first before we did this one. <laughs> That's right. It builds. It builds. Yeah, they're all building blocks to, to mm -hmm. one another. I, one of the things I wanted to touch on when I was um, going back again to the awakened consciousness that I saw on that slide. When I first started studying the Kabbalah, there was um, some parts I was trying to put together. And um, how I put them together in my mind. Have you guys ever heard of of the the building blocks where they went a known known, uh, a known unknown, a unknown known, and an unknown unknown? Have you guys ever heard of that? And that's just different levels of awareness. Yes. Um, and so that is how like sometimes people will look at the ion. And you guys correct me if I if I said that that wrong. Um, and it's, we look at that as nothingness. And then we go down to limitless, the ion self. And then the ion self, what is it? Or, am I saying that right? Or. Yeah. Or, okay. So then we have the limitless light. And then we have the 10 Zephyroth, right? So I was trying to, you know, conceptualize that because that's literally what we're, what we're trying to do. We're trying to conceptualize what's being 
conveyed to us. And then I looked at the 10 Sephiroth is these are the things that at some point we will know that we know. And then when we have the limitless light, okay, this is a, a limited, limitless light. And in my mind, I looked at it is that that is the known unknown. Maybe, you know, we, when we, we make light synonymous with knowledge, when I say the known unknown, meaning we all know right now that there are some things about the universe we don't know, right? right, right it's right, unknown. But, right. but that right there is a limitless journey for us. That's limitless light. We can, we can float around in, in that discovery. We know that there are known unknowns. But then we get into what I call a state of darkness is where there's unknown knowns, meaning there's some things out there that are unknown to us that can be known. They're in a state of darkness right now, right? Then there is simply nothingness. It's unknown, unknown. Mm-hmm. We, we, it's unknown to us and it will never be known to us. It's just beyond our ability to perceive as a human being. And that is what we determine, or I have learned to, to, to look at is nothingness. And so that was just a way that I broke, broke that down for myself because I know a lot of people try to define like, what is nothingness? How can nothing in, exist? when it's nothing but nothing in the state that we exist in is nothing but in its state it is something meaning right now if i wanted to look at an atom an atom is something but from my perspective right now as a human being it's nothing i can't touch it i can't really really see it with my naked eye but it is something but from our reference point as a human Using my mind and my five senses, it is in a state of nothing. And, I, and again, I think that's going to confuse a lot of people. And I hope th- using that model will help you better conceptualize a tree. Because p- I hear a lot, of, a lot of places on Facebook that I, a lot of groups I'm in, they debate that a lot. Like, what is nothing? Mm. What is limitless? How can you define limitless? Then they go, limitless light. How can you define that? And at some point, you got to get to where you can conceptualize this. It won't be the, actually what it is because it's actually what it is, is beyond your ability to conceptualize. But mm-hmm. you have to bring it down, bring mm-hmm. it down to a way that you can understand it. Right, mm-hmm. and I believe that's what those early teachers were doing. They wanted to conceptualize that and put it into some type of language of understanding, which ended up being the uh, the Kabbalah. Yeah. So you um or any other school and it was some way to conceptualize the things that are unexplainable so when i look at it i look at it like this we can only understand the universe based on our point of reference which is our solar system Mm -hmm. so everything in light that we know comes from within our solar system beyond our solar system we're trying to learn they got the hubble telescope and all of those things like that but at the same time we still will know those are those known unknowns so those known unknowns is okay uh there are planets over here and there's other galaxies there's other solar systems the unknowns are uh what type of life force Mm -hmm. is behind it the concept of time behind it the concept of gravity behind it all these different concepts, we don't even know that outside of our planet. We speculate that wow, yeah. um, certain atmospheres and certain environments are habitable or inhabitable. 
but that's based on our awareness and our awareness is based on our reference points and what we here on this planet believe is life but we don't really know what life is we only know a portion of life. yeah and that's right. we live now like brother watson said previous on a one of the previous episodes he got more experience outside of this body than he does inside this body mm -hmm. If you can take that mind frame and understand what he's saying, and you take that and you put that with the Kabbalah, there and you look at the galaxy and every the galaxy, solar system, all these things in existence, we are we are a known unknown to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Everything mm -hmm. is a known unknown based on our reference point. Yeah. And then the unknown unknown is the things we don't have a reference point for. Exactly. And we don't have understanding of, and we, we, we really can't conceive it because there's never been anything like it. And right. I'll tell you the secret to all of this, brother Coney dropped it on us a little bit earlier. You see it in the Scottish Rite, that fourth degree, it, it gets into mm -hmm. silence. And then if you go into the York Rite and you get into what we call the purple house, it talks about silence and darkness and literally this is how you receive. This is how you place yourself in a position to receive. I often right. say to folks, they say, well, I'm going to pray to God. And I always say, well, spend a little time meditating too. And they smile and say, why? I said, because praying is the art of talking. Right. Meditation is the art of listening into receiving. You know what I mean? You can't, you know, people say, well, you got to pause and, and take time to listen at a tentative mm -hmm. That is how you place yourself in a position to receive. And it, and it gives fuel to what we said earlier about needing a guide, because in order to receive, you have to be on a receptive end. And if you're on a receptive end, someone has to be transmitting. So that in itself says that there's some type of guide, whether it's an, intent, um, um, an internal conductor right. or an external conductor that's conducting you. There's a guide there. Right, right. And being that, be, that middle pillar, is about uniting those two thoughts and making a third, which is a unified form of gnosis. Like knowledge is knowing that these exist, but gnosis is knowing that there's an absolute and there's yeah. an unknown unknown. I, I know this and I know this. And sometimes I don't know what I know. And sometimes I do know what I don't know. But there's the things that I just don't know. I may not ever know, but I stay in the middle ground, which is my absolute sense of everything that I do know, which is it. Yeah, and you know, everything in, in masonry, I wouldn't say everything, but when you get to the climax or the summit of the different Masonic houses, it's always balance. Like, you know, I'd say, say the brothers over in um, the Scottish Rite, we have this thing called the Royal Secret, right? And so at the end of the day, we learn because the Royal Secret isn't actually a secret per se, right? It, it's about balance, harmony. It's about equilibrium. And, and that in and of itself speaks again to, to the Kabbalah, where you have in that the positive to negative, we're dealing with polarities then, and we're also dealing with correspondence. I, I, I think it was Brother Williams who, in his presentation that mentioned correspondence, meaning you have a tree of life in every last one of those sephiroths, right? So you could be right. in a certain sephiroth and be within a tree of life with, within that sephiroth, and that, is dealing with correspondence, meaning everything corresponds with itself. Also, the, the tree of life also has the polarities there. You have the positive and the negative. So, and that, and that speaks a little bit to 
again, alchemy. You know, alchemy talks about the positive and negative, the polarities in, in correspondence. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's you good. Know? You brought up the uh, the atom and mm. understanding nothingness and things of that nature. Well, the thing is, at its core, the atom itself is nothing but empty space. Correct. And the more we look at the atom, the the more confusion takes place because you have to understand what is causing the atom to move, mm-hmm. what is causing the the resonance, the reverberations of the atoms, the electrons, the neutrons, the protons, and things of this nature. But then, what is it taking up so much space? Right, we, right. We understand that everything is consists of atoms. But then we understand that the atom itself is nothing but empty space. So then when you think of something that you deem is solid, but that thing is actually not solid because it's made up of atoms, which is empty space, then you have to understand what is this thing that we call nothing or the aim? Because if the, the atom itself is empty space, and everything that we know is empty space, then the things that we think we perceive to be solid is actually no thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And in the state that we exist in, we think it's something. And mainly because we're viral. I, I, I love this. And I used to give this little, little lecture um, where, and I think I've given it on here before too. The only reason why any of us appear to be solid is because we're vibrating on the same frequency. That, that's literally it. So when I touch you, you appear to be solid. That's because we know that if I'm on the same frequency as you, we can't go through one another. But that's the reason why when light comes, light can go right through your window because light's on a different frequency than what the window actually is. Now, I want to throw this one out here at you guys. This is something I speculated on. I asked myself one day, I said, if the energy that animates us as humans, that we, we begin to know as the soul or the spirit or what makes us us once that departs from the body this is speculation is all this is this isn't religious dogma this is speculation so it comes out of the body and at that point let's say brother williams is coming out of his body at the same time but now we know that we're not solid anymore we don't appear to be solid because we're not in this physical body but now we're vibrating at this level and he's vibrating at that level, will we create a realm of being solid all over again? Did you you follow me with that? Is that I'm vibrating now at another frequency outside of this body. Mm -hmm. And then Brother Williams comes out of his body at the same time. We're dying on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And he comes out, but now we're vibrating on a different level and we turn around. Now, maybe I'm not Charles anymore. Maybe he's not Michael Williams anymore. But will we create a whole new existence of being solid because we're vibrating on the same frequency? I've often speculated on that. You know what I mean? And I know it's kind of out there a little bit. No, I see what you mean. I I know what you're talking about now. I would say that's that's exactly what each Sephiroth represents. Oh, okay. Okay. That's that's the whole name of the game. You go from one vibration to another vibration, and when you leave, say Malkus vibration and you go to Yesid and and Kokuma, you're just going to another, another level world. And that vibration only because 
because think about a few months ago, the scientific world said that they found a a parallel universe where time moves backwards. Yeah. This is this is what science said they found off the coast of uh, Antarctica. So when when you think of that, and we understand that we can only perceive a certain amount of the light spectrum, mm-hmm. and everything else we can't perceive until you bring in ultraviolet lights, gamma rays, and things of that nature. We are within a construct of multiple constructs, but because of the vibration level that we vibrate at, we cannot interact with that level of vibration. So once we leave this vibration through uh, transcendence or uh, death and rebirth, we're going to be vibrating at a frequency that is either above or below this frequency, which in turn is just going to put us in another realm of existence that is contained in the one existence. Yeah, and it, it actually makes a lot of sense to me. I was uh, studying, um, what was that, when the the different, um, the bonding, the chemical bondings and stuff like that. We even, you know, if you think about it, we use the concept bonding, <laughs> you know, like they're mating. And, and, and I don't want to get spooky, but I often think, ask myself, like when two atoms get together, right? they're vibrating on the same frequency. Are they actually like we're doing right now? Is there some level of conscious awareness that mm. they say that, hey, we're supposed to come together. You're, you're high, or excuse me, you're hydrogen and I'm oxygen. And hey, man, let's form something here. And all of a sudden we create water. You right. know, and, and I know right. it's kind of, and right. I'm not trying to be spooky, but if okay. you really follow that, you know, we, we tend to say, well, there's no intelligent life but us. I, how does consciousness come out of that which is not conscious? Yeah. To take place, there has to be some form of consciousness to create the motion. So right. for atoms to be vibrating, moving at whatever frequency, it has to be some form of consciousness to create and to sustain that level of motion. And that goes back to the theory of biogenesis that says that nothing that is living can come from something that is not living. So in order for and you notice to, too hmm? for for life to exist, something living prior to that life had to already exist. So this goes back to why in the Bible says the living God, because if the living God created all things that are living that being also had to live so that means the atoms itself has to have a form of consciousness to be living matter to form to come together to create multi-cell organisms to bring forth life so it goes back to i think one of the episodes we talked about last is and it goes back to consciousness if you cut yourself right now and you didn't even know that you scratch yourself is very just insignificant but your body goes ahead and starts the repairing process those are atoms that are conscious enough to say hey something has taken place to this area we need to go and repair it that is a level of consciousness that is beyond your consciousness of thinking so who or what is 
creating that consciousness. Um, when when I debate or have conversations with atheists and they's like, oh well, you you believe in this God? Prove God. Well, I say, well then, when the embryo is in the womb and the sperm hits the the egg and this flash of light takes place, the heart is the very first organ in mm -hmm. the body that starts to beat. That's right. What initiates that beating, what keeps that beating at this level of rhythm, mm -hmm. and how is it able to keep that rhythm without a brain, without a spine, without a central nervous system, without mm -hmm. anything else supporting it? That alone proves there's something of intelligence that is creating or continuating that force of energy. Now you can call it God, you can call it, you know, <laughs> Yahweh, Elohim, El, Shaddai, you right, can call it. Right. But that alone proves there's something of intelligence that is sustaining the the life itself. And if you look at it too, brother, you know, we touched on something earlier, going back to the, the tree of life about equilibrium and balancing things. I'm glad you brought that up about the atom. Uh, it's got me going. So if if you look at it all, if you're saying that ev everything, the building blocks to everything is atoms, right? Mm -hmm. Atoms yeah. are looking for balance. You mm -hmm. guys know the reason why two atoms come together? Because one atom feels it lacks something. They call right. it the outer valence. And yep. they normally want that outer valence to be eight, or it wants it to be balance and so if this one over here has an outer valence that let's say it's a six and then there's an atom over here that has an excess right it may right. bond with it. it may say here you take these two right here or maybe they will share right yeah. they come together yeah. right you guys yeah. but the coming together is always to bring what yeah literally and this is and again we're yeah. not talking about dogma here we're talking about things science. that you can go in science and prove it. So, <laughs> so we we're, we're talking about these different schools of thought. It makes you wonder, like, how did these ancient schools of, of thought, how did they come to these types of conclusions without the type of scientific data that we have right now? And I know some people are going to say, you're just making correlations. Well, yeah, kind of, sort of. I'm, spe I'm speculating a little bit yeah, here. Man, <laughs> Let me uh this teachable moments three. I call it TM3 by mm. Fast Master Damien and Jack. Man, it goes right into there. what you were saying earlier uh about placing yourself in the proper position. Page 59, he says, We learn through symbolic masonry to receive what you want, you must place yourself in the proper position. Yeah, and, and speaking on on brother Jack, man, um very deep and intellectual brother. Um, Brother Williams um, and I had assisted him on his last book that he wrote on the Scottish Rite. And he's if, if you guys don't have that, you got to get you a copy of it. Right. And he broke down uh, Father Adam just in a way that I've never seen broke down. And I remember, remember him sending me that lecture for me to kind of proofread it for him a little bit. And he had me going into the lab, you know what I mean? I think he gave me like a day or two and I spent like three or four days and he was like, what's taking you so long? I was like, man, I, I gotta go, <laughs> I gotta go do my homework. <laughs> but, you, you know, just because you brought him up, I don't want to say, um, you know, take a, 
in relative to the Kabbalah, his his last book on the Scottish Rite, and he even touched on, on it a little bit in his first book uh, on the Scottish Rite. Um, no. Go get it. If you don't have it. I'll get a copy that. of that book. Sure. Well, the, what, what we were saying to continue conversation is function precedes form. And at the cellular level, those mm. heart cells are programmed to do what? To beat. That's it. Yep. They know nothing else. And if they are programmed to do such at the protein level, because if you look and you study those proteins, these little dudes that go around and what they do, they make stuff. That's all they do. They make, yep. they make, they make, they make. That's all they do. Create. You look at your white create. blood cells. What are they there to do? That's all they're supposed to do is to look for a bad thing and kill it. That's just find it and kill yep. it. Hey, them Everybody certain nights. At, at the, right. <laughs> at that, at, the, at the, the lowest the level, the more simpler the function, the more significant the form, you know what I'm saying? The, the form by which it's supposed to take. And that is why we are the living impetus of everything around us. You'll find yep. every element in us, every function in us, every purpose in us. We are it. And that is why it's so important because that's why we are the walking edification of what God's function is before we were formed. Because you look at the human body, every, every, every system, every piece, every, everything is just, it's in us. We're the representation of that. I think that's why when you look at the Kabbalah, you always see a man overlaced into that because you look at all the significance of the correspondence to the body parts, correspondence to the emotions, correspondence to the planets, correspondence to the chemicals. Everything is in the human body. It's right there. It's right there. And you know what? I look at it too as truth. Truth is truth. That's right. And I say that because of this. Is because you, you mentioned the man that's on the Kabbalah. But let's say if we went to planet Zuptar. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that exists or not. Maybe they would have the same Kabbalistic tree, but there's this alien sitting on it. You, you know what I mean? It's like all of this is a different way of conceptualizing the, the truth. Well, if you look at the the tree of lives or tree of living, and you look at your your body and your makeup, when you look at your lungs, when you look at the lungs, you're breathing in those lungs, the blood vessels and the carpels, carpels or something, mm -hmm. they look like trees. Sure you look do. at the CNS nope. coming out of your brain. It looks like brain stems going out. It looks like another tree. It looks like roots. Then you look at your neurons, uh, cardiovascular the neurons in your that's brain. Right. That's right. Look like trees. It's all saying something. Um, we're, we're like I said before. We're we're literally walking trees. We just don't know it. We you know yeah. we got so many different elements inside of us that make up different trees and different <laughs> uh, different parts of us that you know we we take for granted like you said the the child uh, being formed and the heart beating what's making it happen you know these functions inside the body and you start looking at these things these things are boundless concepts and what is a boundless concept it's limitless it has no ends we don't know where it comes from where it goes or how it or how it happens and um Ooh. Let me jump in right there. Can I jump in with the quote? Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, okay. Right after I finish this. So when you're talking about limitless and boundless, mm. you're going back into the ein, the ein Sof and the ein Sof or boundless, limitless. So 
is a boundless concept that we don't understand that's happening and replicating on a multicellular and macrocellular level. And there, we, we're sitting here, we're trying to speculate on how these things work and it is yet to be proven. Like, like Brother House said, there is some conscious intelligence mm. that you can call God or whatever mm -hmm. that is and has no limits or and we wouldn't even be able to fathom or understand this. And we're sitting here as humans trying to conceptualize this and put it into words. These little and, brains. And we're out here telling people this concept, which really doesn't have a concept because we don't understand the concept. Yeah. And that's, that's because, and, and that's because real quick, that's because knowledge is death, is death, it's the abyss. To know yeah. is nothing. That's mm, what it is. Yeah. The no thing. That's right. <laughs> but this, okay. Uh, symbolically speaking, volume one, African Lives, number one. It's by mm -hmm. Dr. Jeff Menzi. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, right here on page 46. To support what you guys are saying, uh, Highlighter Society, it's highlighted. It says, <laughs> <laughs> plug, it says, it is true that the work gets done with or without our knowing what is being done. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's supporting what you say, the symphony of life. You don't have to understand it. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, yeah. and one thing one thing I used to always think about, too, that I guess really kind of got me going very, very young was uh, my family. We had a farm and all that stuff. And, you know, I used to run around up there play and all that stuff. And I just kind of stopped one day and I was thinking like, who or what programmed the seed to become a tree? Mm. And, and who programmed that seed to require it to go back into the darkness of the ground for it to grow into a tree by searching for light? Mm. And this is what really made me question a whole lot of things because Ultimately, everything that is in the form of creation came out of some form of pure darkness. And it's something that takes place in that darkness that causes everything to become. And we, we can go into the, into the Bible uh, to where, where Jesus says, when thy prayer is going to your closet, and pray in, in secret for the Father will see in secret and, and basically bless you in the open. Well, we understand that by breaking it down to when you go into your closet, you're going into a place where it's just you and you're mm. returning back to that, that primitive force, that primitive substance of darkness because ultimately every time you close your eyes to pray, you're returning to that original source of darkness. Mm -hmm. And it's there where you actually come face to face with God in the darkness. Um, in Psalm 63 and 6, David says, uh, and we'll use the King James Version, it says, when I remember you, my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. So it's telling you that just like Brother uh, Watson said, that meditation is when you receive. Mm -hmm. And to hit on what Brother Williams said, 
the woman is closer to the to the father through God because naturally the women or the woman is a receiver. She receives. And because naturally the woman is a form of receiving, she's always in tune with what is quote unquote being downloaded from the higher realm. And that's why the woman in the Shekinah, which is identified as the, the woman, as uh, the feminine attribute of the divine is connected with the woman and connected with Malkuth and connected with the moon. And that's why the, the cycles of a woman is connected to the moon. And when we go into the, the Kabbalah tree of life here, down here at the bottom where Malkuth is, it tells you this is where the Shekinah is. And this is where the moon operates. And this, and this is why it says, oh, when the full moon takes place, all this takes place and this is going to, it's because in Malkuth, the moon, the Shekinah, the feminine force and attributes is what actually is in control of this world. And this was why you see such an imbalance because we have an excess of masculine energy that is trying to basically assert itself above that of what is naturally the ruler of this world. And when we think about the waters, when we go back to the Mem or the Mayim, which means waters, and when we understand that Shemayim, the heavens, actually comes from the same root that makes up the word Mayim, which is waters. And then when we go to Genesis and he says he put a permanent in the midst of the waters to separate the waters from the waters, and the Shemayim is the heavens, we understand that we are within the realm of feminine energy. And that's why the earth itself is primarily water. 70 to 73% of the earth is water. So when we understand that, the whole basis of what we should be doing is understanding at this level of Malkuth that we need to be more so willing to learn and to receive the information that is being given to us from the natural receiver. But man has become to the point where he shuts up the receiver and he puts the woman behind him. And because of that, we have war, we have imbalance, we have all of these things going on because we're trying to buck the system that has been already put in place. Man does not navigate the waters. He does. He does. Yep. I got. I got one for you guys. Go ahead. I just. I just found it too. Um, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, about the lungs being shaped like a tree, and then actually the neurons uh, in the brain. I don't know if you guys can probably can't see that. Let me see. Uh, you it see, was, there, yeah, go. there you go. Okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay, good. okay. And what I wanted to I wanted to bring this up because in a neuron, the tips of a neuron. I'm going to read this, are called dendrites. And if you go do it for yourself, look up, go dendrite etymology. And the etymology of the word dendrite comes from the Greek dedron, which is tree. It means tree. Now check this, what, what they say an actual dendrite does. It says a neuron has three main parts, a dendrites, an exon, 
and a cell body or a soma. Excuse me for my pronouncing there. No it problem. says a dendrite is a tree branch is where a neuron receives input from other cells. I just think that's really, you know, it's like, are there folks that know something we don't know? You know, like why did they, why name this thing dendrite? Why name it? Why name it a tree body? I was just saying, soma is body in Greek. Is it body? Okay, gotcha. But when I was, I was studying that a few years ago and I was like, wow, you know what I mean? Here this thing is, is it's, it's tree. Someone named it after a tree. And it's the receptive part of a neuron. It's where we re- where we're receiving things at. And it goes back to something that Brother House sent me a while back. Don't think that there's not certain people with within the world that don't know these secrets. And mm-hmm. I and I literally call them secrets. And the reason I say secrets because a secret is just something that's unknown. Right? Right. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what I mean by that. There are people who have studied things and do understand it. And they're not naming, you know, the scientific community wasn't naming these things just because it was a cute thing to name, right? Mm-hmm. I, I imagine in some instances that did happen. Like, I always wonder why, why did they call this the temple? Right. Could they call that something else? Uh-huh. You know, why a temple? Mm-hmm. What was the purpose of that, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, all of this stuff is being... I tell brothers all the time, when you come to a lodge, well, when I go to a meeting, I always remember mm-hmm. I'm visiting myself. I'm walking into myself. When I go into a lodge room, the first thing I see is that checkerboard pavement, right? Oh, yeah. And I know it, that I, it reminds me, be cognizant that there's good and evil, right and wrong. There's balancing up and down. All of the duality is within me. That lodge room, everything in it is dealing with the aspect of myself sure. everything that's going on right here in this temple where I'm all the hop, action takes place i'm gonna hop in just Catch to up. support something that you said earlier past master watson uh this one is from elementary treatise on practical magic by dr gerard and we got any highlights in there oh you know <laughs> okay all right all right whole bunch of them all right the highlighter is in here. So, yeah. okay, on page 62, he says, use of meditation is therefore a first requirement in the study of magic and the use of will. And meditation is a mode of receptivity, just as mm-hmm. voluntary, voluntary training is a mode of activity. So that's just going to what you were saying about the difference between prayer and meditation, being listening, receptivity. Yeah, and like I said, it's in all the different schools. You know, I saw it over uh, in the Scottish Rite. Brother Coney brought it up. Um, that first, the fourth degree, it jumps right into it. But again, you see it again in the Purple House in the York Rite. It, it it literally dives into silence, and then another little degree in there, it talks about silence and darkness. Now that literally, it it, it set my mind somewhere. I'm like, is that where we get the secret at? Is that where it's at? In silence and in <laughs> darkness? You know? Yeah. You're not getting it in the light. Nope. No, you're not going to find it in the light. Okay. Mm. It's the reason why you was walking around that hood way in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I got volume one of my book. I talk about it. Oh. <laughs> I might need to go get that. That's in the closet. Go pick that book up. <laughs> I got science of light. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you call this one yeah. part one. 
because uh, there's just so much that we haven't touched on when it comes right. to the blah, blah, because, it, we, you know, we'd be talking for hours. Right. And, you know, and what we we, we kind of skipped uh, stuck to the script of, you know, the whole episode, mostly we've been talking about one principal part of Kabbalah, which is to receive the reception. And we touch on the different worlds and, you know, but we didn't go into depth on the other worlds because like I said, each world or each part of the Kabbalah, each aspect, I mean, it's literally episode upon episode. We can go on and just talk about Mem, the Hebrew letter Mem for mm -hmm. a whole on itself. Mm -hmm. All these different letters, each letter, and if if you never if you haven't paid attention to Genesis, you know that uh, I think it's Genesis that um, the uh, it breaks down the very the it breaks down the Kabbalah right there in Genesis mm -hmm. all the way uh, one through twenty two it breaks down and if you don't if you pay attention the letters actually come into formation before the Sephirah remember mm -hmm. it, it was a word yeah. So the word came through expression through letters. So these letters were formed before anything else was created. Mm -hmm. So when you understand the letters and you start researching these letters, it puts on an aspect to understand the Sephiroth. Then when you understand the Sephiroth, you understand the points within creation and the story of Adam and Eve. That's right, that's right, that's right. I think it was John that said in the beginning was the word. The word was God and the word was with God. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you you know that God is that vibration that created those letters, that created those words. We were there with him in the beginning in an infinite space of light. So right. we were there. We've always been there. It's just now we're just in this spherical yeah. body that we can touch. Even, even in it's, the Islamic creation, uh, the Islamic creation myth, it says uh, Allah says be and it is. Yeah. So it's a good mm -hmm. word again, speaking. Mm -hmm. If you look at it on the tree of life, if you look at the tree of life, the part that would be considered the throat is the one, the piece that's hidden. You know, like we, right. I've, I've always been taught that there was two generative principles, uh, creative principles of man. Mm -hmm. One he creates with his, with what he says, mm -hmm. and then there's that that lower aspect of our nature that is just animalistic at the point where we're just, we create with the, I would call the lower chakra, <laughs> right? Um, right? But right. you know, it's it's interesting. I know there's a lot of debate. I know Brother Williams brought that up as far as the, um, when we talk about the the Sephiroth that's hidden, there's some, some schools of thought that said it's not there at all, right? And then there's some schools of thought that, that argue that it, it is there, it's just unseen. Mm -hmm. the I wouldn't get, yeah, I wouldn't get too wrapped up in it. I always tell people that all of this is a conceptualization, right? It's it's all a right. way of perceiving things. Don't get too caught in the arguments, right? Because what you do is you make these schools of thought dogmatic. Now, mm -hmm. I, I, I believe that it's not there. Brother House believes it's there. Now, he has a click, I have a click, and we're going to war. And we're going right. to fight because I'm the most dominant. You, right. you see what I'm saying? You see how that yeah. goes? Yeah. And, and, and that's the way I see a lot of the schools of thought have been. You have different schools that say, this is the way it's going to be, or you're going here, <laughs> right? right? And you're not the, the righteous ones. Uh, right. that, those are the schools of thought that I, 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 I tend to say lean more towards severity. You, you know, you mess up, you're going to hell. 
you may right. you, you you're not the right but then you have those schools of thought that hey you can just beat me and do whatever you want i'm going to show you some degree of mercy <laughs> right <laughs> i like to center i like to center myself in that in both schools where there should be a balance between severity yeah. and and mercy uh, with the beauty life. but the right. dogma I don't get into the dogma like when people tell me, yeah, that it's there and it's not there. I just listen to them and I say they have missed the whole point. Yeah. The whole the whole point. It's not about making these schools dogmatic. If you see it that it's there and I don't, then that's fine. That's the way you receive the light. I always say that the light of truth refracts off of in each of our minds. Mm -hmm. I say refract because when something refracts, it's not literally the same as what it was before it refracted. Right. And the Kamala actually teaches that we didn't go too far into that where they talked about the in the beginning, God mm -hmm. kind of inhaled or contract contracted himself. Right. And, and then when he let go, he, he kind of created a separation. And this is where you get uh, Adam Kadman. And then Adam Kadman, he continued this, I, I guess you would say, this creation of lesser lights. And he um the light came out of him and in order to contain these lights they put them in these containers so these shells right and these shells became like balloons they just blew up blew up blew up and all of a sudden they shattered and so we didn't get too much into that this time around i think we'll get to that next 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 time around with but this shattering if the way i was taught it is if you take a glass of wine and would say you were to bust that glass of wine as as the glass fell down inside of each piece of glass they would still be remnants of wine stuck to it and so there's the what happens is shattering that took place they call them husk they they're the thicker aspects of light they fell down i would say to a lower state of being but then there was this pure light that was still kind of the remnants of them was stuck to these husks and the, and the whole concept within kabbalah um and its basic form is for these sparks of light to come back and unify again, to come together. And those different sparks of light, we call them Brother House, Brother Watson, Brother Williams, these different aspects of light. If they just realize that they're all one, they're not even separated. Mm -hmm. but the illusion thereof says that we are. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But again, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, brother. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just want to wrap it up with saying that again, when I go into all these different schools of thought, I see the same narrative, man. I, I don't know about you guys. It, it because to me, the human mind is like a computer and it only can compute so much. So if you stick it somewhere and let it run, it will punch out certain equations. Then you you let it run over here, it's gonna punch out certain equations. And all these schools of thoughts, even though these different people were all over the planet they came up with the same type of conclusion. Yeah. It, it, you, you understand what I'm saying? And, and then what's happening right. today is we're fighting, we're warring, we're saying my conclusion dealing with where I was born, my latitude and longitude, my cultural overtones are better than yours. But if you strip off of all of that, the narrative is the same. We were at a noble state. Somehow there was a fall that took place and we're trying to get back from whence we came. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to put it any other way. Mm -hmm. Right. When you conceptualize what you just said, you're talking about oral tradition versus written tradition. Mm -hmm. And most people look at oral tradition as being as we're talking and communicating, but it's actually backwards. Wow. 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 
Yeah. And I was told that the Kabbalah at one time was it was mouth to ear. That's great. Oh, 100%. Mouth to ear. It was literally in and it it's funny how it's, and it can, still is. Oh, okay. It, <laughs> it's kind of funny like some of the overtones of masonry are that way. Like we talk about mouth to ear. We're talking about you have to be in a certain state of mind to be able to join the fraternity. But if you look at that, these older systems already had those types of, uh, I would call requirements. Well, right? when you go in mouth to ear, you're receiving, right? Correct. Oh, okay. Correct. So Correct. when you look at the oral tradition, the oral tradition is actually the words where the written tradition is trying to understand and conceptualize those words. Mm. So that's where people, you know, they think about it, but the attentive ear, is only there to receive the written tradition. Mm. Wow. That's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. And see, uh, to, to hit on what um, Brother Watson was saying, what, one of the reasons why um, the authorship of the Kabbalah, the Talmud, the Torah, and things of these natures is kept hidden is to keep people from focusing on one particular author of say the book of Genesis or the book of Exodus or something like that. And, and which also goes into play why it says that Moses was buried physically by God in an unknown place. And the reason for that was to keep Moses from being elevated to that of an idol so mm. that people won't go to his grave and, and worship him and think that what he did is what caused him to be removed or exited out of Egypt. And a lot of people don't fail to understand this. The main reason why Moses could not get into the promised land is because he said, we, he included himself into what God did. And because he did that, he elevated himself up to being as equal to God. And because of that, God punished him and kept him from seeing the promised land or entering the promised land. He was able to see it, but not enter into it. So one of the things um, they they put like, I guess, a safeguard into that because it is written that you should not have any gods before my face. That is what the proper translation of it is, you know, um, and because God sees everything and God is everywhere, that means anything that you worship or praise other than that which is the causation of all things is by default an idol and it's before the face of God. And that's why we uh, originally Jews and now um, uh, uh, Muslim brothers still do it. They fall prostrate before God. And that's how they pray. They have their, their prayer rugs and they fall prostrate because God himself or itself, I would say, is, is everywhere. And primarily when you fall prostrate, you're going into the darkest place where God will be received. Mm -hmm. And by honoring yourself, you're saying that that which is above you, mm -hmm. God, is the supreme. And there is nothing else yeah and right. masonry talks about that place we normally call it high noon you know what i mean if you if you look at if you remember brother um grandmaster Hiram biff used That's to go right. off to himself 
uh -huh. and after he received what he needed in order to put the plans upon the uh, trestle board. That's right. And, uh, That's a lot right. of folks don't catch that when, you know, I would say, you know, some of these habits are just good habits to have. Do we do that? Or do we find a, a, a time every day to go into silence to, in order to receive the light, right? And that time that you go into silence and darkness is the time that you would receive um, the, mo the most light. And it's um, not sleep. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely not. Now, I did have a question for you, brothers. I, I had a question that um, I'm probably not the best one to, to elaborate on it, so I, but I wanted to throw it out there um, for you guys to chew on real quick. I was uh, Some of my studies that I came across said that the Kabbalah, uh, the way that the way that it is taught that they don't see the stories of the um, the Torah uh, or the five books they don't take it in a literal sense is is well, that you know like they don't look at it literally well the, and and from from the very beginning uh, before you even get into that level of understanding the first thing they tell you is do not take this literal. literal. And your, your rabbis are going to tell you that as early as your bar mitzvah. It's not mm -hmm. to things literal. Because gotcha. they're, they're not literal. They're not literal because pure rational thinking and logic would tell you no one is sitting there jotting down what God was doing in the absolute beginning. Right, right. That right. makes absolutely no sense. So when, when you understand these things and like in Judaism, they, they make sure you know this, this is not literal. Then you're able to understand better the, the allegories and the symbols in which these things are given. Mm -hmm. And when you actually learn the language and understand that these people that's in English, uh, we look at as uh, like Abraham or Moses or something like that, you understand that those names are actually not proper nouns. They're verbs, and those verbs actually create a archetype. So mm -hmm. those individual people that we look at as if they're literal are actually concepts. And, yes, yes, and yes. when you understand that, then you're actually able to see the bigger picture. But a lot of people, like I said earlier, are lost in translation because it's it like masonry to me. <laughs> Sounds like how masonry is. When people get lost when they really think there was a Hiram a Biff. You know, right. I mean, I, I've had some people, I've had debates with people that they yeah. they will debate the surface level of right. masonry. Right. I'll right. have that debate because it's interesting. I, I like right. to stimulate my mind. But at the yeah. end of the day, it always tells me that this person just didn't get it. These stories are just that. They're yeah. uh, personifications. They're, they're um, concepts. They're the yeah. Concepts. Yeah, mm -hmm. they send us on a deep uh, a chase of mm -hmm. deeper understanding. And if you start looking yeah. at it on the surface, I got this thing I always say. I always look at it like a, a walnut. People lick mm -hmm. the outside of it and they try to nourish themselves. Mm -hmm. But masonry was meant to be cracked, cracked open and going inside of it to nourish yourself. Yeah. But I, I mentioned that just to say that masonry isn't as old as these schools of thought. You, so you can see where the, the ritual writers of masonry took some of these concepts from older schools of thought and they brought them forward. Because it's exactly what we do in masonry. We use symbolism and allegory to teach moral lessons.
Right, right, right. One of the also, also one of the things too, we're made sure that we understand no character in all of the Torah Tanakh, the great Kadashah has a last name. Right, right, right. So when you understand that, if they don't have a last name, there is no way you as a person with a last name can attach yourself to being a literal descendant mm -hmm. of those characters. It's an interesting point. That is a very interesting point. Right. To go, to go with the uh, question you asked, um, I'll refer to my notes. It says uh, Kabbalah. One of the ways is to unlock the hidden meaning of the Torah. Yeah. So, yep. uh, mm -hmm. Knowledge mm -hmm. of Gematria, Nodicurian. I, I pronounce that incorrectly, but just different, The knowing the values of the Hebrew letters and like Brother House was talking about, you know, what the names mean and that mm -hmm. they're a function and an archetype, like even the uh, names of angels, you know, with the L's on the end of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Robin, you brought up a good point. I don't know if y'all saw that post I did in uh, Royal Arch, but um, when I talked about the bloodline, everybody, mm -hmm. there's there's two concepts that people think, or oh, if I'm not a descendant of Moses and Aaron, I can't be a priest. Now that's right. that particular, right. right. So that's that particular right. mindset of that group of people, right? Well, right. You know those two guys didn't exist, right? So there's no bloodline. Because they didn't right, use the right, lower right. chakra to make nobody. Right. So, so if we talk about an actual person <laughs> and an entity, what was the actual person? What was what was the archetype? What was that supposed to be? That was the wisdom and the piety of a person above all others around him to be to be a, a crowned or a mitre put on his head to represent yep. the keter or the mindset of God. So, so that's yeah. that's that's and and you she said a lot when you were talking about traditions and, 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 and the way our mindsets work. And it's mm -hmm. amazing to me because you can go to any college and you can go to a philosophy course one-on-one. You can go to, to, to anything that talks about uh, uh, ancient cultures and histories, and they will speak to the things that we are talking about because it's factual, yes. it's, it's academic. Yeah. You, will, you will hear philosophy teachers teach this stuff at Yale, uh, yep. um, other colleges, Carnegie Mellon, and so forth and so on. And they teach it from an academic standpoint because they know that the origins of this knowledge that was passed down from Socrates to Plato to all of that, there was knowledge before them. Yeah. So they don't speak from a religious standpoint. They speak from a purely academic and they will teach the Kabbalah as a class. They will teach yeah. physics yep. as a class. So it's not that it's, it, to me, everybody wants to get, excuse me, I shouldn't say everybody, but there are those that have to hold on to what their faith is based on what they want to believe. And they don't want to mm -hmm. waver on that because this always goes back to our first episode where I always say there's a fear. There's a fear of going to either one place or another that doesn't exist if I don't believe in this one thing anymore. But when you remove those constructs from your mind that heaven nor hell do not exist, it is a mindset. So there's no need for salvation. So there's no need for you to do what you're doing because these are actual stories to teach you that you are the image of God. Image means idol. 
God created an idol unto himself. That is why he said, put nobody else before me because he wants to see you. He don't want to see everything else in front of you. He want to see you. So that's why and that's that, all it and, is. And that the, is what that and means. That character Jesus, Jesus right. understood that when he right. said, "When you see the, when you see me, you see who? The, the Father. Father." Right. He right. understood yeah. that. Right. It, right. It, it's beautiful. And if if people just learned a little bit of mm -hmm. him, and they knew what the the translation of the word Shemaim is written as heaven. And people think this place, heaven, is this this place that you go to, you know, city, you know, grass mm -hmm. and gold and all this stuff. Right. The Milk word, honey. Right. The <laughs> word shemaim literally means sky. That's it. Yeah. It just means sky. Mm -hmm. So if you've flown in an airplane, if you've been in a helicopter, you've been to heaven already. Yeah. <laughs> because you've been in the sky. That's and literally say, it only means sky. And, and they say it's like, a land of milk and honey too. If you look in the sky at, at, in the daytime, you see the sun, which is yeah. gold like That's honey. Right. And at night is a big moon. It looks yeah. white like yeah. milk. Yeah. They knew what they were talking about back yeah. then. But over time, we spooked it out. Yeah. Somehow we just lost um the awareness that this these schools were talking about getting to know who and what you are mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and and your connection to the scheme of everything yes. and that's why they said that the symbols of the wise have become the idols of the fools Ooh, yes that's right yes. that's and, right and that's that's the name of the game i mean if and that's one of the things you know i've talked to many rabbis before and it's like we do everything after the the new moon. I was mm -hmm. like, you know, we 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 count X amount of days after the new moon. Easter. And then we wait till the full moon, and then we wait fourteen more days. I was like, do you not understand and see the astrological significance of this? The the people that wrote these things and put it in here were on the plains of Northeast Africa or the Levant, and they were right. looking for a certain direction, speaking of how this was bringing forth this, and at this point, we're gonna do our harvest, and this, this is telling you that we were connected to nature as a whole, mm -hmm. and nature was the great revelator yes. of the word of God. everything. And they mm -hmm. used those symbols of the moon, the sun, the stars to indicate to subsequent generations on what to do at what time and how to do it. Because mm -hmm. obviously they didn't have watches during that time. Right. So they had to know and track certain things. So every year, the if you look at the, um, the Temple of Man or the, the Temple of Lexar in Egypt, Every year at the winter solstice, the sun sets perfectly on Holy of Holies. It never changes. So the people that built that temple knew, hey, at this time, at this place, the sun's gonna set right here. We know now how to keep track of time based on this. We know how to keep track of the season based on this. 
So they developed archetypes that are what is considered the Egyptian gods. The same Egyptian gods are the same seven pantheistic gods of canon, which is the Elohim, which came forth out of the, the pantheistic uh, godhead of the Samaritans and the Akkadians. They're all, like we said early on, they're all command the same concepts. They're, they may be using slightly different dialects, but they're still using an Afro-Asiatic language that all speaks to the same phenomenon that they saw in the sky and the heavens, the same harvest <laughs> schedules. All of these things can be found in the language. And then when you get into the language and then you bring that to the Kabbalah and these 10 Sephiroth, and you understand, because a lot of people don't even, when you look at astrology, a lot of people don't even look at Earth as a part of the whole scheme of things. They look at the seven planets and all that, but what about Earth? Mm -hmm. Earth is a major part of that. But when well, we can't even have astrology without Earth because what you are we on? is reference points. And that's what I mentioned earlier. What you're talking about is all reference points. And the Kabbalah shows you how to map out these reference points. Mm -hmm. And the earth is in heaven. I, I don't know why people tend to forget that. The earth is spinning in space. You know, I'm like, where are you going? You know what I mean? I always tell people, they say, where is heaven? I was like, where is heaven? Like, when you use it from a scientific perspective, if you ask right. these questions, where is heaven? What is heaven? How is heaven? You, you, you see what I'm saying? When we start to do yep. those things, and if someone says it's up there, then I say up there where? Right. You know, when we start getting down to these things, it, it, it the whole construct if you take this thing literally it will fall mm -hmm. apart when i say this and please don't take this wrong the people that are looking out or, or watching out there i just say this to get people to think i don't want to go no place where we're eating milk and honey every day i like ribs and 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 sweet potato pie. <laughs> right. so that that's heaven for me oh, that right. that would be hell for me i don't want right. no milk and honey right. it, it, but you know i hope that doesn't freak anyone out but mm -hmm. what i'm trying to say is heaven should be a concept right that would be heavenly in my mind i don't want to go nowhere singing to someone all day long i, I don't want to do that you know what i mean right, i don't like singing right, now right you know right. so well, see, and this, and I, I i gotta say because you just brought no mystery a stranger how how, how 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 can you fall into a bottomless pit Are right. you you're never you're always falling <laughs> yeah dude. What's interesting, are, man? Are, are I'm you can you fall in something that's bottomless? And, no, because you're we, always falling. <laughs> There's no bottom. But, but, but are you really falling? What's the concept of us, the Earth being in space? Right. And we know space is deemed this vast thing of nothingness. Right. Are, are we actually moving? Could, can you move in something that has no way of reference? We know that we're moving forward or backwards because we're moving away from a central point. Correct. We know time exists because we can track that the sun was once here and it moved in a certain degree from my perspective. That's how right. we keep time. Right. But in a system of pure 
darkness and a vast body of nothingness, can we actually be deemed moving? It's, it's an impossibility. Yeah, so yeah. You, when you think about that and you and you just like you asked, where is heaven? What is heaven? Heaven is exactly what we should know heaven is. And that's existence. It simply is. I just yeah, read man. something in, in this book. Uh, it said where there is no action, nothing exists. I think that's what it said. And, mm -hmm. and that goes right back to the aim. No right. thing. No thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just to tell y'all a little, a little joke. Um, growing up, you used to always hear, "And the windows of heaven will open and pour you out a blessing." So there was, there was, there was a preacher who preached a sermon, and one of the parishioners came up and said, "Well, I don't see any houses with windows in the sky." So when are these windows supposed to open up? And who's opening up the window? And at that point, he had to decide whether he'd tell him, no, that's not literally what that means. There's no windows in heaven. That's not what that means. And I said it because there's actual people that take the word in the Bible yeah. literally. Yeah. Literally. There are, no, there are no actual dates in the Bible. It just says in the year or the fourth great year of the king and the 21st day of the month. But you don't get an exact year. You don't, you don't know that. There's no contract. We make guesstimations based upon historical evidence that we find. But it's no and exact the thing is, is that it, we, I, I always say this. this is, uh, it rings true for me. Is that when we talk about the Bible, the Quran, and all these different religious books that I truly respect. I really Absolutely. do. Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about them, they have more value for me in my life when when i use this word when i make them walk and talk like i got a brother now that i know that i'm talking to he's going through the trials of job job is still alive right now today some oh, of yeah. us are going to go some of us are carrying a cross and you're going to need a good brother like simon to come in and help you carry that cross the rest of the way because you're weary right. and you're tired see those types of 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 concepts to me they actually mean more and work more for me than if you were to tell me about someone named Aaron that lived a long time ago, because then I look at it more like a necromancy, like you're idolizing and, and worshiping the dead, you know, but when you make them alive for me, when I can say that Adam's still here and Eve is still here, not in the literal sense of Adam and Eve, but in the archetypal sense, they're still here. I'm supposed to be like Job. I'm supposed to be like Jesus. You see what I mean? And I always say to people this, they say, well, no, you're not supposed to be like Jesus. And I say, well, why would he say to me, greater works than I, ye mm -hmm. shall do. Mm -hmm. I tell people, can you use this little thing right here? The one thing that separates us from the animal kingdom. And I always use my dog. My dog sits around, just chills. I got a little miniature schnauzer. And I often wonder, is, they th is she thinking about her future? Is she trying to think about the nice big dog house she may have or the next meal? She does not contemplate on those types of things. Mm -hmm. But the human, for some reason, was given the mental and intellectual faculties to reflect upon self, to use the process of logic and reason, to do critical thinking. And we shelve it. We put it on the shelf. When we walk in some of these religious schools of thought, right. we take that aspect that was supposed to free us and we put it on the shelf. 
And one of the things some of my, my, my good brothers say to me, tell me, they say, lean not unto your own understanding. And I say to them, I said, come on, you can't believe that really means that, right? There's got to be a deeper meaning because I can say this, when you drive home tonight, close your eyes, take your foot off the gas. I mean, put your foot all the way on the gas, close your eyes, let go of the steering wheel drive, and get home. And, and I would say, they would say, well, I'm going to crash. Well, I said, just, why are you leaning on your own understanding? God going to take you home because you you leaning on to <laughs> leaning up. <laughs> you guys get where I'm going with that, right? It's like, come, come on. It doesn't mean these scriptures, when they say these types of things, they don't mean them in these literal senses. You know, you have to lean on to your under, own understanding. You do that from the time you get up in the morning. See, this, this is one of the one of the biggest things that was was the given to us by the rabbis is this is you have to understand that the book is written in a way that the characters of the book are talking to other characters of the book. Mm. They're not talking to you. Yeah. You did not exist when that book was written. Yeah. yeah. So when 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 Jesus is talking to the disciples, he's talking to the disciples, not you. Right. You're sitting there watching or reading and what is designed, it's like a play. You're in the audience and you're watching these things take place. You're not included in them. You're not a mm. part of them. And when you understand that, then you understand that this person's not telling you, Robert House, you, Charles Watson, that don't lean onto your understanding. He's, he's talking to the person. Yeah. That telling that too. So when you understand that, then you're able to separate yourself from the fiction that is taking place. And if you're able to separate yourself from the fiction that's taking place, then you're able to contemplate and understand the scenario that's going on in the fiction and how that can play into your existence. But you cannot allow what is being said in the book that's the written in third person, which yeah, is, I hear you. Which is another reason to let you know it's not literal because it's written in third person. The book of Isaiah, there's no where where Isaiah says I did anything. Right. Really, right. I just say it. Isaiah right. did. So right. it, it's letting you know that this is there's no eyewitness testimony. There's no one here that is literally recording what is taking place this is a play this is something for you to sit back and watch and then contemplate meditate understand get to the bottom of it and then apply it's like they say you learn from the mistakes of others so you're you you got a whole manuscript of different small stories that is put there for you to to analyze and say, okay, well, shoot, this person did this, this person did this. I don't need to do that. When people, and, and one of the things I said on uh, Facebook a few weeks ago, I was like, people need to learn what the word Job really means, or Job. You need to know what Job really means, because if you know what Job means, then you understand what the book of Job is representing. The word Job literally means enemy. Job, mm. Job was the bad guy 
in that story. That's why all the bad stuff happened to Job. And he brought forth all that stuff on himself. He was his own antagonist. And when he realized that he <laughs> yes, that's, yes. these things is when he realized and received his blessing. That's why God said, where were you when I laid the foundations? Yeah, yeah. That was the ego getting defeated. Job's ego was his own downfall. His pride was his children, so he lost his children. Mm. He, his, his wealth, his land, his animals was his pride. It was his ego. Right. That was taken from him. All mm. these mm. things that he built up to elevate himself above others is what brought him down. And mm -hmm. that's when he realized that he was the enemy. And that's why you have to learn what these names and these words represent, because then you understand that this person represents his own enemy. And who is our own enemy in life? We, we have the ability to pick right or wrong. If we pick wrong, we become our own enemy because of what? Because the, the decisions that we made have a certain consequence, and that is the judgment based on you being your own enemy. And masonry calls every it calls those guys ruffians, right? You know what I mean? That that those are the ruffians that are you know within us all. Those are the vices and superfluities that are, are within us all. Uh, you know, here we are with again with these different schools of thought. Um, they come full circle. You know, Beautiful. question. Um, I don't know if y'all spoke on it, but how can the Kabbalah help people? What is it used for? Well, that's not that might be next episode because that's yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, I like that. I think that's that's a good way to wrap this up. I, I don't think we need to answer that. I don't think we need to answer that. I want this to be a real good episode because you know. But I don't think we need to answer that. I think that should be the topic for the next. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Cause, and cause and we're going on two and a half hours right now. Yeah, it's time yeah, to wrap yeah, it yeah. up. Right, it's mark, time to wrap it up. Yeah. I mean, I I got I got about five lines to give you, but I'm old off. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Look, hey, that that to me, that's we could build a whole show on that one. Though. Oh, yeah. on that one. Oh yeah, yeah, this was the introduction. My fault. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Real quick, Brother House touched on something before, and tonight Brother Watson touched on it. When, uh, like the different levels or going to a heaven or something like that, uh, Samuel, Samuel Clemens, AKA Mark Twain, Brother House posted something in mm. ELH talking about the mysterious stranger. If you ain't ever seen Mysterious Stranger or the entire series of Mark Twain's adventures with Huckleberry Finn, it's a mm -hmm. it's a playmation claymation movie but it really hits home on everything we talked about tonight yep. and if you if you in a mind frame you got to put yourself in a mind frame to look past yourself as being an adult with uh trying to have a rational understanding of this and listen to what mark twain is actually saying and it's uh, uh mark twain Oh, his real name was he on the square? I know who Dean was. Uh, was. Samuel Clemens was a brother, and he was a Mason. Okay, yeah. Uh, but 
that scene where um, the guy goes to heaven or he thinks he's going to heaven. He's like, well, they over here playing these little alien things and they doing this. Then another heaven, they was, he was like, oh, you don't belong here. They over here having like some real kinky stuff going. So he's basically saying your heaven and my heaven ain't going to be the same. And what you looking for ain't going to be the same. Mm. Then um, even uh, going back to Manly P. Hall, Manly P. Hall, he's sitting there, he's saying, why am I going to die and go to heaven and play a harp and sit on a cloud all day? That's got to be the most boringest thing on the planet to do. Eat new honey all day. <laughs> yeah. so, nah, I'm sorry, y'all. I need some ribs, man. You know, so you really got to think rationally about this. You want to go to heaven and sit on a cloud and play a harp. I ain't played a harp my entire life. So I'm going to go up here and I'm going to sit on a cloud and play a harp for eternity. Yeah. And just sing to someone but i think the concept you know and, and again i don't want to try to be like we're attacking someone's religious beliefs because if you understand what was being conveyed there's beauty in that there's truth in yeah, that right. but if you try to you know but if you try to take that literally like we're, we're saying here that you're going to be sitting on some cloud singing to someone it's 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 just confusion. That's chaos. But if you can see the beauty and what those writers were really trying to say, it's going to be a place where you're going to be in just bliss, total bliss and total harmony. That's what that that concept of heaven uh, really is. It's not this literal sense of somewhere eating milk and honey and so forth. It's, it's, it's concepts because you have to understand at that time, milk and honey was a form of prestige yes so yes yes using the terms and the terminology of that time to convey right. a message to those who would understand that mm -hmm. they yeah. did not think two three four thousand years down the road so people <laughs> are going to look at this and literally right. think somebody's going to be floating around in the sky <laughs> they they looked at Things like like we understand when we go to to Egypt and we look at the sun disk with wings on it. They're conveying to you that the sun moves through the sky. Yeah. The only way yeah. they can convey that in artistic form is to draw wings because birds. Yeah. It, it so, makes perfect sense. Right. So it's symbols. It's symbology, and that's why a lot of philosophers says if you understand. The, the language of symbology, right. then you understand the language of the gods. Ooh, oh, yes, man. yes. I, I got a question. Up. Well, I got two questions, but it's actually coming from uh, Jean-Louis DeBiase. Okay, it says, who would be willing to be initiated into an organization that would encourage its members to practice the techniques from another school? Wouldn't it be faster and better to go directly to the other school? So that's a question. Mm. Two questions. I would say um, yes and no, right? And the reason I say yes and no is kind of like, I don't know how I would have felt about approaching the Kabbalah had it not been introduced to me through another school through called Masonry. You, you see what I'm saying? So yeah. I resonated with that because of the way it was dressed up to me. You know, so sometimes, you know, dressing things up under a different school of thought, like teaching a child about the beautiful system of reproduction by using the birds and the bees, may be a little bit more comforting than to tell 
your little child that, you know, I had mama's legs up in the air and, you know, I had was really doing my thing. Right. <laughs> and then that's how you got here. Right. So it may be it may be better sometimes to to dress that up. For some people, it may be better to take them straight to the fire hydrant and let them drink. And, and it's all about that level of maturity, as we spoke about in the beginning. If you at that level of maturity, you know, some gates mm. and or, you know, that's that boundary for you. It's going to be a boundary and you want to stop at that school. And, you know, some people, they will enter Freemasonry and they won't understand these concepts. So they won't move on to those next schools or try to get that yeah. understanding. Yeah. So that that first tier school is there to weed out the weak, the ones that's not going to make it to that next level. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if, if you're here having this conversation and this discovery with me, we all discover a new level together. Yep. Where other people, they may not understand this concept, but those who do will get it and they will join us in understanding that it's beyond the face value of what's being presented on the surface level. Right, right, right. Two, two things come to mind when I heard the question. One is, suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of God. So when you heard the scripture, what was Jesus actually saying to Peter? He was actually saying, even though he eats of a different meat, the children have a mindset which they are innocent and ready to receive. If you are not in a place to receive and you have not taken down everything, taken out everything that you think you know or that you already come with your preconceived notions, you have to empty yourself. I don't think it matters where you go, to be honest. I think what really matters is if your mindset is not ready to receive, you're not going to get it. You can get it from YouTube, yeah. you can get it from us, you can get it from Prince. It doesn't really matter. What matters is if you know that you would like to know something, the first step is accepting that you want to learn. And then the second step is I must get rid of everything that I think I know because I'm about to learn something totally different that's going to blow my mind. And if you, and that's what we tell everybody that comes into masonry, first off the bat, this is the first degree, you're going to do some work, forget everything you think you know, because you're about to learn something different. And if you don't come with that mindset, you're not going to receive it. It's just not going to be received. I don't care where you get it from. You're going to be dumb. You're going to be numb, excuse me, to what's being said and how it's being conveyed to you. Mm, and so and, you go. and that goes back. Go ahead, Ra. And that goes back to how we really kind of started this this introduction off. In Judaism, you can't have your bar mitzvah and then jump into the Kabbalah. It's just not going to happen. You have different levels in which you have to go up to before you even get to the level of understanding of potentially understanding of the Kabbalah. You have your Torah studies, your Tanakh stories, your Shekinah Rook studies, your Tammuz stories, but, uh, uh, understandings of both the Jerusalem Talmud and the Babylonian Talmud. Then you have uh, your uh, Maimonides and your Rambam and your Ramban and all of these different schools of understanding. All of these schools of understanding is actually there to prep you for the Kabbalah. Now, you can say, well, well, I want to go straight to the Kabbalah. Well, in order to get 
the information that you need to understand from the Kabbalah, you need to already understand what Abraham is, what Abraham represented. So when you get to the Kabbalah and it's breaking down what Abraham really represents, then you can able to put the pieces together. So going from one school that's helping you understand another school doesn't necessarily mean that it's slowing you down. What it's doing is it's prepping you so that when you get there, you can Mm -hmm. understand. You don't go straight from elementary school to PhD. So these are the things that you have to understand. Now, when when I heard the question, the the first thing that came to my mind, is this a, a, uh, a real sincere question or is it a a sarcastic question because mm-hmm. if it's a sincere question i would think a person on that level would have to understand that you had to go through different schools of thought to get to where you are now mm-hmm. and if you didn't go through those schools of thoughts there's no way you would have ended up at this destination now it's it's one of those things like in religion and even with the Kabbalah tree of life. There's many, many, many paths, but regardless of what way you go through those paths, the end result is still gonna be that end result. Mm-hmm. So you going left or right, straight forward, whatever, you're still gonna end that way. So if you go Judaism, Christianity, uh, Hinduism, blah, 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 all of it's gonna do is end at the Supreme. And so, too many people are trying to get to the source too fast. It is just like it says, no man can see my face and live. There's a process that you have to go through to go beyond that of being a man to see the father. So there's physical, then there's spiritual. That's why I says you have to worship father in spirit and in truth two things so we we can't we we can't sit here and just think oh well i want to know the kabbalah so i'm gonna go straight to the kabbalah but i haven't even first off even saw in the beginning god created heavens and earth it won't resonate with you you don't know who or what this ain supposed to be that's why you have Malku. From Malkuth up to Keter, it's your understanding and getting some type of comprehension of where your destination is. You cannot go somewhere if you don't know the direction to that place. You can't pass the veils. Mm-hmm. So then Robert, wrap us up. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think he closed it out for us. Closing remarks. <laughs> Next month, we're going to go into the Kabbalah episode two, the uses of the Kabbalah. Hmm. And, you know, you know, how does it apply to you and what does it mean to you? Then uh, at the end, wrap up with uh, some people may be familiar with it, uh, some of the shapes that may come out of the tree of life. Uh, you might see uh, a triangle, you might see a head and you might see a square. They're called the Parsuf or the Parsufim. And we're going to touch on that a little bit.
for for those those lovely Eastern stars, they might recognize this star right here. Hello. Hey, I'm glad I'm glad you showed that. They should see that, you know. Brother Watson did say they receive a cannibalistic word. They do. Thank you. They do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't yeah. say. Yeah. Mm. I ain't gonna say nothing else. <laughs> All right. Well, good evening and um Godspeed. Peace. Peace. Peace.